loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Today, I'm welcoming Melanie Smith. Melanie's a PCC-level ICF-certified coach and an ICI master level coach. She's been working and coaching in the fields of heartbreak, loss, trauma, grief, reinvention and change for over two decades and has helped thousands of people globally create profound and lasting change in their lives. She recently published Unfinished Business, Eight Steps to Heal Your Trauma, Transcend Your Past and Transform Your Life. Welcome, Melanie. Hi, Cheryl. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to have you. And um, that that idea of unfinished business uh, you mean in a particular way. So let's start there. Sure. Um, uh, unfinished business can can mean a number of different things, I feel, but you capture it in a in a special way. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Un- you know, why I went with that, a couple of reasons why I went with that title. Uh, number one is my original coach training is in the Gestalt method of therapy. And in the Gestalt method, completion is critical. And unfinished business is at the foundation of that philosophy. But the other thing was, I had this moment where I grappled with the different kinds of trauma, grief, loss, heartache, transition, et cetera, that was coming through my practice. And and when you think about a title of a book, what can be so a broad stroke? So all of those things can be included and you don't have to cherry pick, right? The subtitle is about eight steps to heal your trauma. And what is very um, inclusive there, as well as Uh, educational is we're understanding trauma in a very different way now. Mm -hmm. And these things that impact us throughout our lives, small T trauma or large T trauma, complex trauma, it depends on what the situations are, but they are traumatic for our energy system. And that's the point I'm trying to get across in the book. And, And that healing is critical and not just theoretical. Also, it just comes to my mind, you know, I I have said before on this show and other places that um, I've never had a child, for instance, who's lost a parent when they're they're little, come and say, everyone welcomed my feelings and thoughts about it. Um, We talked about her or him all the time, you know, uniformly people come and say, she or he died and we weren't supposed to talk about it. I got I got the strong message, you know, lock that away, don't cry. And in look, some cases, look in some cases never talked about them again. Well, look at what even happened to the great comedian Gary Shandling. He was so close to his brother, they never even told him his brother died. He just wasn't there anymore. 
you know, well, it's a good example, isn't it? It's a, it it's a great example. And what's interesting is most people are so traumatized around their own grief that what it does to talk about someone else's grief is trigger their lack of completion. And the, the other thing I appreciate, of course, is that um, one of my teachers says grief is the difference between what we wish were true and what's true. A really broad category. So you include all the different kinds of grief. And I wonder if you could talk about what brought you to this work personally. Um, because although you're a coach and you help a lot of people, you didn't come to it by accident either. No, and I did come to it by calling. Uh, and, and by the way, that is something I want to clarify that why is a book like this book so critical? You know, so many people, um, and I, I will answer your question specifically. So many people come into my practice not knowing their purpose or their mission in life, their calling, why they're here. And one of the things that unfinished business does is it does block the energy system so that we do not have a clear vision of who we are, what we want, where we're going. Um, from my own experience, I was born into trauma. I was born a very sick child. They didn't think I would live. I mean, for many years of my life, the mantra in my house was treat her like she's going to live, treat her like she's normal. And um, which, which, which actually subtracts a whole level of experience from what was actually happening, doesn't it? Of course. And it's also that understanding of, you know, one of my teachers has often said, Bessel Bondelkolk, you know, trauma isn't just what happens. It's also what beneficially doesn't happen, Right. And, and so in my life, I was born very ill, which made me very different to begin with. Probably saved me from a lot of things, you know. Mm -hmm. um, I probably got away with a lot more than my siblings, you know, because everybody treated me very fragilely. Um, but then when I did finally go into surgery, it was at a time in our culture where they were using ether on children, not anesthesia, for good reasons but it didn't anesthetize you, it paralyzed you. So mm -hmm. I remember my surgery um, and that in itself was an enormous trauma. I remember being cut open. I can remember the scalpel. I can remember the feel of it. Um, the other thing that occurred, my mother and father, there were six children in my family. So they had to go home uh, the night before surgery, because the hospital had accidentally given me salmonella poisoning. Hmm. So they had to wait for me to recover. And then my parents were called when I was going into surgery. Of course, that was the day Kennedy was assassinated. So they couldn't get back to the hospital. So now we have the trauma of illness and loss con of control of my body, the trauma of the surgery, but I've also now been abandoned. Not because my parents meant to abandon me, right? But a child is living in felt thought. An infant does not know what just happened. So yeah. you move on from there. By the time I was five, I saw my mother have her first stroke. By the time I was 11, I found her after a stroke covered in blood. I had to get her to the hospital by myself. Got her to the hospital. When the ambulance came, they left me there. So I stood there until dark waiting to see if my mom was going to live or not. Mm -hmm. um, and then my mother had cancer, then my father had a number of strokes, then my mother died, and then my sister was killed uh, in a fatal car crash. 
Um, and then onward from there, I went through a divorce. I went through financial restructuring. My very dear sister had six strokes and ended up in a nursing home. On and on, right? So as life does. As life does. But what I want to say about that is what I intuitively and instinctively said to myself was not, oh, why me? I said to myself, oh, why me? What am I meant to become because of this? Because I, I have a firm belief that whether you're talking about the universe or the divine or the God of your own understanding, there is uses, there are great uses for us on this earth in this lifetime. And everything in our life is part of our curriculum. And we're being trained to do something of necessity. Nothing goes to waste, as my father used to say. Unless, unless we don't use it. Unless we don't use it. And most definitely, unless we find meaning in it. Mm. Right. Let's share a little bit of the book, shall we, Melanie? Can you read just a little bit from the introduction for people? It kind of gives uh -huh. a, a background uh, a background of your thinking, I think, for sure. So I, I sent you this intro that I will read, which um, uh, I have had very interesting responses to. But basically, it is really what started me in on the process of writing this book many, many, many years ago. It says, have you ever wondered who you would be if nothing bad had ever happened to you? If you'd never lost anything or anyone? If you had never seen any dream shattered? If no one had ever made you feel like you were not enough, taught you limitations, told you who you could or could not be. If no one had ever broken your heart, betrayed your trust, or done any of the thousands of big and small things we humans do to one another and ourselves. Who would you be if you got to say everything you ever left unsaid? If you could put your past in the past and truly forgive yourself and others, how would you show up in the world? What would be different about your relationships? If you're single, how would you date differently? If you're partnered, how would the bond between the two of you change? What kind of people would be in your life and who would no longer be in your life? Would you still have the same job? Would you spend your free time the same way? Would the biggest and scariest things you dream about be farther or closer? Who would you be? if you could finally complete the incomplete and find fresh, solid ground again, as if the past had never happened at all. It's so interesting. When I read that, Melanie, I was thinking um, so much of getting to who I am has come from difficult experience. Yeah. Um, when I came out as a 17-year-old, when I, when my wife was ill for 10 years when she died you know it sort of peeled away the layers which is sort of the flip side of what you're talking about in a way well, um, and i do want to say it would be i don't know the age range of your listeners but when you were 17 coming out was a huge deal oh oh yeah it was 1970 yeah. i mean it, it, it's it's a, still a big deal to our it's society, not the same deal. Not the same deal. Not the same deal. Yeah. yeah. And my and father was a minister. You know, I yeah. could tell many stories, but it did 
set the course for being myself. Of course. Right. What I say in that intro intro is really about not eliminating what happened, but letting the charge get released from the body. So the beingness, our biology can become a neutral palette again. Not that there is not meaning in our soul from the losses and the traumas we've experienced, but what if we know we were no longer triggered by them and we were no longer driven because of them? You see, we live in a culture right now where everybody is driving towards something to get away from the pain that's in their bodies. Right? I have to be important. I have to be abundant. I have to be rich. I have to be famous. I have to have a lot of lights. Because the pain of just being the self and calling the soul back home is a lost art. Not to mention this last period of time, I was, I was, I know you wrote this book or finished this book during the COVID pandemic. Yes. And uh, virtually everyone in one way or another got separated from their regular life. And um, that was a real crisis point for a lot of people. For everyone. Yeah, it was, I would call it a crisis in my world because those of us who have faced huge challenges and been changed by them, we have some tools, right? Yeah, but even for us. Of course, of course. Being in union. For me, I mean, I have been a spiritual teacher. I owned a, a wellness, one of the most renowned wellness centers in the country. I, I was with people all the time, right? I was teaching and leading and loving and giving. And it was my beingness. It was my, as we say, Bob, it was my heart. So even with my skills and my tools and the sophisticated understanding I have of this, it was a heartbreak. I couldn't be with my tribe anymore. Yes. I, I get asked a lot, does being a grief counselor make grieving easier for you? I don't know if you ever get some version of that. And I always say, no, it just, uh, I just know that I have to do it. Well, it's interesting because I think some people, it's, a, it's an interesting question about the human condition, because I think what they're saying is, you must be numb to it. Right. Exactly. Right. And that I, I will never go along with that. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you know, a gynecologist, you don't want to have sex anymore, do you? <laughs> it's like, you know, when we, when we are around the understanding of grief, I think we're more permissive with ourselves to have deeper feelings and not to be in such control, perhaps. Maybe the skills more facile, but it does not make grieving not difficult or lack discomfort, right? But I do think let's talk a little bit about what gets in the way. For instance, a lot of my, even people I was working with previously, you know, and there we are, I went on Zoom, the whole works, and people were saying, uh, they're, they're t- crying at the time, right? And they're yeah. saying, I don't understand why I'm so upset. So many people have it so much worse. They were still comparing. They compare and it's, there's something else that's very interesting. I was at a party last week and somebody had gotten my book and they said, oh, it's such, I love the book. 
I've never had trauma, but I, and then they paused and they went, I mean, my mom died and my dad died and I, I went through two divorces and I really haven't spoken to my son in about six years, but not like trauma. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh okay. Um, so what I have to say about that is normalizing is not healing. So people might think, well, it's, it's, it's a divorce. Everybody goes through it, but that doesn't mean you're healed. It just means intellectually you understand it as being normalized. And it doesn't mean there's any comparison to any other person's loss experience. Because all relationships are different. If I say to you, my mother died, and you say to me, your mother died, we can't make the assumption that you loved or hated your mother, or I loved or hated my mother. We can't make those assumptions. We have to understand that, as I say in the book, every experience is a constellation. Mm. And it is a constellation that is literally a fingerprint. It, it belongs to us and only us. So there's no comparison. There may be overlays, but there's no comparison. It, it gets you in a category, but it doesn't tell you the experience unless someone shares. That's exactly right. Yeah. We'll come back to that in a few minutes. It's time for our first break. Listeners, you can find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. You know all the social media. You might be able to follow me on. There's links to all of them on there. And to find Melanie Smith, you can go to workingwithmelaniesmith.com. Be back soon. Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Resiliency is the human capacity to lean into individual and collective strengths with compassion and grit when faced with the challenges of lived experience. Join host Elaine miller Karras for Resiliency Within, a program of hope and healing designed to inspire you to integrate wellness into your life, your family, and your community. In challenging times, you'll want to tune in every week. Resiliency Within can be heard every Monday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. 
are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Melanie Smith about her book, Unfinished Business. And I want to correct, I misspoke before the break. It is actually workwithmelaniesmith.com in order to get to her and and her work. Um, So we don't, as we've both said, we don't come to this work by accident and there were steps to get to where you are, where I am. Uh, I I would say I'm I'm pretty free and clear of the kind of traumatic resonance of old things. Yes, myself as well. Um, you have to be, but, you have but to be ethically to do this work, yeah. But also, you have to acknowledge that the world, the life things happen in your personal life in the global world that cause you to have to do it again, right? That's what we were talking about before the break, that the pandemic came along. Nobody had ever experienced that before in our lifetimes. Um, But I noticed it did feel familiar in a way, Um, particularly to me from the time when my wife was dying where I stayed home all the time, you know, stayed. The difference being community were coming in and out all the time at that point. That was different. But the sense of challenge and showing up for challenge was remarkably similar in my body. That's interesting you say that because I think each animal, and we are animals, and as I said before the break, each constellation, so different through different circumstances, we do have natural structural tendencies. What was very different about COVID was primitive qualities in our nature were aborted. And I think it's why anxiety became so elevated. Mm-hmm. As still is in my experience. And especially with our youth, because I mean, there's science behind this, the way the chemistry of the brain works, the way the mirror neuroning works. Um, when you start taking that away from the human experience, we do start to have uh, reactions that create a hypercharge, which I talk about in the book, or a panic. Um, when I was very blessed during COVID because I, I was able to go out into nature, um, you know, I was one of the early cases in New York. Mm. So you also lived. That was fortunate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know, I also I was like as ignorance bliss because I had no idea. I was so sick. I had 104 for 10 days. Uh, I couldn't taste. I got spot. You know, floaters in my eyes. A million things. A hard time breathing. Whatever. But nobody knew mm, that yeah. I was. You know, and I of I realized later that that's what it was because one of uh, the administrators at a school I was studying, I had passed away from it mm. and I had been in contact. So, you know, I did consider myself blessed because I, I was able to 
walk outside a lot. I was able to see friends at a distance outside. Um, I had a, a loving partner, my fiance, uh, you know, those kinds of things. My son was home with us. Yes. So still a lot of good, but I knew many people that did not have any of that. They were, they were literally by themselves. And that's really heartbreaking and terrifying for the human experience. When I started writing the book, there was this download. Uh, I had thought about this book for years and so, so many of my clients has, had asked me to write this book, but there was sort of a download that essentially said in not so many words, the world is gonna need this now. They're going to need to figure out how to get this out of their body, not just cope with it in their mind. And, you know, one of the things I talk about in the book is I compare the experience of unresolved trauma to a library. And the trauma itself is like a book on the shelf. The way the brain thinks about it and stores it is like a computer or, as you and I know, the Dewey Decimal System, right? <laughs> the drawers you would open Does up. Does anyone out there know what we're talking about? <laughs> <laughs> to have drawers and we'd have to finger through the <laughs> book. I really do miss those days. But it's like saying if I throw the card out, the book will disappear. And that is exactly what trauma, heartbreak, loss, and grief is like in the body. Because you intellectually find a way to bypass it, it does not mean it won't cause you problems because it's still on the shelf. It's still in the body. My book isn't about teaching you about grief alone. It's teaching you the eight steps that you can do over and over again for each loss issue in each relationship to get the trauma, the charge, and the unresolved energy and the unresolved cracks and breaks in the energy system out of the body. It's critical. Hey, up front, I'm going to ask you to dive in a little bit to your system. But let's say up front, because I think it's important to say that kind of process is painful. It's painful. Uh, and <laughs> it, it's extra painful because you've been avoiding pain. It's gotten bigger, right? It's sort of the the longer you ignore a crying child, the louder they cry, right? <laughs> Absolutely. And I actually had a friend call me. She's from New York. Because they just have to ask you. I'm at the part of the book where I actually have to do something. But is there any way to do the work without doing the work? <laughs> Did you laugh just like that? You know what, honey? If I could actually create that, you and I would be in the in, in paradise for the rest of our. We've been on Turks and Caicos forever. I'd never, you know, like like if I had that pill, right? I always say, you know, people are trying to create medicine for this, that, and the other. If I had the pill for heartbreak and shame, oh my God, and that's the answer to it all, right? Yes, and uh, let me try this idea I have out on you, which is that um, all of our potential experiences as humans, emotional experiences, they kind of live in one place. If you avoid one, it diminishes all of them. So I'm not sure that I would do that. I, you know, I, I got so much more joyful when, when I wasn't trying to avoid feeling well, pain. Well, the other thing is I think as humans, when we master things, we feel stronger. 
right? And the process of healing, remember every choice we make in life, every detail of every choice we make in life is cumulative in our bodies and it leads to health or illness. That's a fact, that's science. So as we learn how to love and nurture our inner experience, how to heal ourselves and literally call the power of our soul back home so that we have self-ownership again, we have deep understanding of ourselves again, we're not abandoning ourselves because that's what avoiding pain is. It's abandonment. It's self-abandonment. So agree. Yeah. Would you like to talk just a little bit about kind of when you're working with people, how you take people into this? Because I feel there's a sense of uh, not immediately diving, you know, mm -hmm. of, of getting some roadmap yes. created so that it's possible to feel a little more... Um, empowered to dive or a, a little less completely out of control is that would that be correct yeah and i think part of what helps us heal um is knowing that you are loved through the process mm -hmm. right is knowing that there is a compassionate soul that is profoundly altruistic on the other side that receives you in a way that is your truth that sees you at a cellular level that's that's my talent, is the bioenergetics that I understand, that I can see when energy is starting to move in you. I can also see if it's maybe moving too rapidly. Mm -hmm. I'm able to take you and titrate back to a safe place, etc. When you're doing the work on your own, I ask you to do that, right? And that's following your own energy. But as you'll, if, when you read the book, you'll notice the exercises start pretty slow, right? I want you to till the soil. I want you to get comfortable with your story, right? And, and I try to make every exercise visually beautiful, right? Because I think there's something yummy about holding paper in your hands. And, you know, it's also why I have the downloads in the book, which I just told you the download link is. Yeah, let's, let's share that now that we're talking about it. It's, it's, um, where did I put it? Maybe you can just. Uh, unfinishedbusinessworksheets.com. Yes. Sorry, friends. They did. They forgot to put the dot com in. Um, but in it, but why did I do that? And my, it was very, very uh, deliberate with my publisher. I said, no, these charts have to be beautiful. They have to be full of spirit because I want them to be yummy for the person doing the work. I want everything about what they're doing to feel a sense of depth and artistry and magic. I want it to be sacred, right? The work I do with people, um, oftentimes it's just fun, right? If I'm doing something with a corporate or branding or whatever, but the depth of my work, and I take even all my CEOs for this work, um, the depth of this work is so much about human experience. We're in this together. There is, there is a Mayan saying that we are here on this earth to help each other fix our thatched roofs. And the day we all have metal, metal roofs is the day the spirit dies. Mm -hmm. What I do for a living is I help people fix their thatched roofs and to learn 
how to follow their internal compass again. Because that's our true guide. People come to me lost and I help them find their compass again. And this work is at the foundation of that ultimate gift, right? One thing I did notice because you share uh, specific stories of people that you've worked with. And um, one thing, of course, I noticed is that ironically, uh, people come to the the work because the pain gets too big. Yeah, and oftentimes it's their life is a shambles. And someone, you know, it was funny, I, I, I had a client years ago <laughs> that had come to me for weight loss and they lost 65 pounds. And the next session they walked in crying and they said, I realize I'm not here to lose weight. I'm here because I want to be happy. And we went now down this work and their life changed so dramatically. I went to their 58th birthday party at this beautiful ballroom in Manhattan. And I walked in and she yelled, Melanie's here. And the whole family stood up and applauded. <laughs> they were getting along with everybody. So they were not triggerable the same way. They were able to talk to their children more loving. They were able to hear them more clearly. Their spouse and they got closer. The, uh, the um, extended family was closer. It, it's at the root of how we live, how we love, how we manifest, and how we actually act out our dreams in this lifetime. Mm. Maybe you can share a little more from the book. Uh, because you're talking about these incomplete events, and um, there is a, a, a section that refers to that directly. I think that would be helpful to bring in here. Which section? It starts, incomplete events and relationships take up far more psychological space than co completed ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I had sent you those excerpts thinking you were going to read them. So oh, I'm well, sure. I'd be happy to. Would yeah, you yeah, prefer? Would, that would be great because I don't have it open. Not a problem at all. We can delve into that. That's great. Absolutely. Yes. You say incomplete events and relationships take up far more psychological space than completed ones. And because of that, they become the oars that row our psychological, emotional, and behavioral boats. Doesn't that ring true? Have you ever lost sleep over things you have finished and feel good about? We want to complete the incomplete. It is in our wiring. With that in mind, it's not hard to understand that people with unfinished business tend to resent the past and are typically unable to focus on or live in the here and now, let alone build a dynamic future. Yeah. You know, I, I liken this to a word I often use in my intake forms, which is tolerance. The incomplete is a constant tolerance, like, you know, the fan in the background of your computer, right? Or, or people say, oh, why can't I sleep? Because this is working itself out in your system. Did you ever drive in a car by yourself and you have these, these phantom arguments in your head, right? You never have a phantom argument in your head about something you just did great and completed, right? It's always about something that feels left unsaid, left undone. And what studies have shown now, and I, I, I talk about that in the book, is 
when we do not complete things, it not only takes up psychological space in the way I'm referring to, it starts to create stress in the system and does create actual illness. Um, and just, just to be clear about my understanding, completing, as you're, as you're calling it, has a lot, lot to do with actually going back to the impact and, and feeling it. And going, feeling okay. and going from there. Oh, yeah. if there it is, I feel it. It's in my it, body right there. Wisdom. Like I talk in the book about the three brains theory, and I don't mean the triune brain, the, the head brain, which I call the royal brain, you know, the CEO, the heart brain, which I call the real brain, relationships, emotion, affection, and love. And then the, the root brain, which is our gut. When those things align, that is what's actually occurring when you go, dit, 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 I'm there, I'm there, I'm there, right? Like In flow. <laughs> you know, when you're in flow, they're aligned. That is not, that's not an accident. The, the you know, the, the head brain has many neurons and it's intrinsic nervous system. I think it has something like uh, um, 40 million neurons or something. And I think the heart has tens of thousands, but the gut has like 80 million neurons. It's more intuitive. It's more intelligent, but we ignore it because this one is a fast talker, right? The heart and the gut brain, they kind of talk like, ow, ew, ick, right? sentences. Qualities and textures, but up here, it's like, it's the chitta, right? The brain up top wins because it's a fast talker. But the truth of the matter is, when we fall into alignment of our own pain and we align those brains and we activate the charge that was trapped in the original traumatic incident, when we reactivate it and we get it pulled out and up into the system, but we don't tamp it back down again, we do the work to release it in the area and the direction it deserves to go, it actually leaves the system permanently. I'm remembering a teacher I had, and then we're going to take a break. Um, one of his techniques, he, he had a lot of experience in gestalt, just coincidentally. Um, many of my teachers have. And uh, if someone was working on, on having been hurt in a car accident, mm -hmm. he would have them, he'd have them go back to that moment and have them imagine flying through the windshield uh, as far as they went and and landing on their feet he had the idea you have to complete the motion that's an example of what you're talking about so Absolutely. let's do a break and come back and talk about that more because it's it's such a um uh resonant concept for me and a powder keg it's really important listeners you can find links again on my website which is weatheringgrief.com or on the Good Grief host page, links to everything. Please let me know what you'd like to hear more of, what you've enjoyed, what you haven't, the whole works. And to find Melanie Smith, go to workwithmelaniesmith.com. Back soon. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. 
That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins looks at how natural healing and biological dentistry can safely and effectively treat most health problems. You'll hear about the innovations in both traditional and alternative medicine therapies with doctors and dentists, along with discussions with chiropractors, medical experts, homeopaths, naturopaths, and energetic healers. It's great to have all the best information in one place. And Functional Medicine with Dr. Robbins brings it all together. Listen Thursdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice of America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. I've been talking with Melanie Smith about her new book, Unfinished Business. And before the break, Melanie, we were kind of beginning to talk about this sense of completing the the natural trajectory of an experience. Yes. Uh, I, I was talking about my teacher who had people actually go back to an accident and complete the natural motion that that was stopped. Yeah, uh, and, it's and a good it, metaphor. <laughs> It's perfect because in talking in the break, we were talking about, you know, fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. And that is the natural human response to things. There's a bracing that occurs when we go through something. And and I'll ask the listeners to even take a moment to think about something as a youth, perhaps, that made them freeze into a behavior or to a reaction. Uh, Maybe you had an overly reactive parent. Um, I mean, come on, we all know this. Wait until your father gets home. Mm -hmm. Right? Most of us us heard it. (laughs) And there was a freezing that, oh, oh, I better stop. I better stop, right? And, And what happens is that kind of data gets stored in the body. When my son, I talk about this in the book, when my son was young, he had a lot of energy, very smart young man uh, is to this day. 
And the teachers had said to me, you know, he really needs to sit down. He can't move around in his seat. And I said, why? And they said, because it's disruptive to the other kids. I said, then put him in the back of the room. Well, then he won't pay attention. Well, put him in the back of the room. And if you see him drift, tap his desk. Well, we'd rather him sit. And I said, well, I'm not going to tell him to sit. And I'm going to tell you not to tell him to sit. Because if he's contributing to class, if he is top of the class, if he gets along with everyone else, don't disrupt his natural charge. Do not freeze my son. And what ended up happening was within a year, he grew out of that behavior. But in our culture, we constantly freeze our children in place when they're having a natural charge is what makes us feel alive. When you kiss somebody and it's good, that's charge, right? Orgasms are charge. Passion is charge. When you have a great piece of cake and you go, oh my God, that's, that's charge, right? When you fall and curl up in your bed and you burrito yourself because you don't want to go and do that thing that day, that's undercharged, right? Natural charge should have a flow to it. As humans, when we trap the charge that comes up from trauma, heartbreak, loss, or grief issues, we freeze it in the system and we hold it in place and we never want it to move again, but it is inside of us. So we're asking a part of our structure to stop moving and functioning. So we live in a form of bracing. And we are, you know, now the whole thing with the trigger warnings, right? Big things when you go to watch a movie, trigger warnings, right? Mm -hmm. That's essentially saying stay away from the place that's unresolved. And what I'm saying is, no, 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 go in, resolve it, and then you won't need a trigger warning. I feel we're right on the edge of, of why for so, so many people, psychoanalysis as it used to be didn't work. Because yeah. it, was, it wasn't about re-experience and, and going forward. It's, it was a mental understanding. It well, was tend, sure. to, tend to happen up in the head, not in the body. Well, that's what I'm saying. If we don't include all three brains, Right, so the brain that's in the head, the royal brain that has uh, 40 million neurons, the brain that's in the heart that has tens of thousands of neurons, and then the brain that's in the gut that has, I think, 80 million neurons or something. My numbers may be off, it, it might be, I may have them, but I know the gut has more than the, the head brain. Um, but we're not listening to the biggest part of our human experiences, which are the neck down. And where do we get sick? And where do we struggle and suffer? And where do we break down? It's in the part of the body that freezes, and that is from the neck down. In, until we learn to listen to our entire being, we are going to con continue to misunderstand ourselves, to misunderstand each other, to misunderstand our lives, and to get sicker and sicker, and we will continue to be a world on prescription drugs, trying to tamp down the stuff we should be getting out. Killing each other, using guns to solve problems. We could go on and on, but we won't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I feel we can now I can now share another piece from your book that to me 
you've got to have the basis of of um how to face hardship how to let yourself have it before this is really relevant but you say hardship is not a handicap it is an opportunity for growth it is a doorway to deep wisdom these experiences our past traumas and heartbreaks are injuries of the soul and to the energetic system and just like physical injuries they must be healed before you can truly move on and live your life with dignity delight and joy you can complete the path you can design the future you want and the reason i felt that was kind of appropriate to later in the hour is i'm always very intent on this show every single week at not skipping the heart the the hard part the fact that this stuff hurts and it it actually if you avoid the hurt you 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 aren't able to really grow and change as a result in the same way of course and i even say in the book at one point you may want to throw this book away right now that may be your instinct to throw it against the wall or throw it in the garbage don't do it one of the things that we're understanding more and more about post-traumatic growth is that people on the opposite, on the other side of trauma, grief, heartbreak, and loss actually find life more meaningful. They actually elevate their lives. When you, I remember years ago, I saw Ellie Wiesel speak, who was a Holocaust survivor. Mm -hmm. and, and to hear his passion for life, his love of people, the depth of meaning in all that he does. I mean, what he went through was unimaginable. Um, and so finding, doing the work, right? Getting into the weeds. And I use a garden metaphor throughout the book because I, we all know, even if you're not a serious gardener, which I am not one, I kind of had a pretty green. I'm with up. you on that. I, I'm, I'm erratic. <laughs> um, even when you're out there trying and you have your hands in something, you feel connected, right? So, so working on your own experience to evolve your true nature, it's nourishing. And, and I love the word nourishing because everything about it feels like you'll be in blossom again. And even on the cover, I have the mandala, which is the flower, the, the symbol of unity, wholeness, healing, right? When we work on ourselves with love and compassion, just the act of that effort is healing in itself. So yeah, it, it's, it's- Do you feel, Melanie, I have this idea that um, all things in good time, some people really do not have a way to connect with the idea of treating themselves with love and compassion. Mm -hmm. And, and there's a kind of work to really grapple with the negative self-talk that goes on in time inside of most people that if you don't do that, that you're just going to hear that louder. You know, do you feel there's sometimes people just need a, a nice warm place to sit for a while and and get a little more grace about themselves well i always feel that people need a soft place to land inside and outside but in the first phase of the work we do in this book it is literally organizing the inventory of 
the beliefs and the mantras and the words you heard and the modeling you experienced. So with that negative self-talk, you start to understand where it came from. And everything in this book, occur, even when you see the higher self-talks, mm -hmm. it teaches my reader that every effort is solid gold. Every step you take closer to yourself is from a place of love and compassion. Be gentle when you do work. There's no test. There's no winner. Nobody's getting a trophy. Not everyone's getting a trophy. <laughs> no one's getting a trophy. Your trophy is your other people are getting a trophy, right? <laughs> so always do all work because we are literally all fixing each other's thatched roofs. There is nobody that does not have a hole in the roof. Nobody. And I've been with the best of them, right? I've been with all I, the people you look at and you go, oh, if only, there's no if only, there's no there there. I, I, I found myself saying a lot uh, over this last period of time to people, mostly clients, um, imagine that you make sense. <laughs> that's very funny <laughs> you know just let's imagine for a minute that you have every reason to feel exactly as you do and to have all of the things you have let's just imagine that you make sense yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, because i think most of us imagine that we don't make sense and that's interesting Hopefully not you and i at this point but you know there is that tendency isn't there and I always approach my clients with, yes, yeah, that is true. And, right, it's a sort of an old improv philosophy, which is life is always yes and, it's never no but, right? It's always yes, let the energy flow. Let me hear the truth. And then let's parse that out and see what still serves you. See, see what still grows your, your desires in this lifetime, right? What a beautiful place to end for the day. I really appreciate you coming on and I hope you'll you'll uh, just continue to let me know what you're up to. Absolutely, and Cheryl, thank you so much for having me and, and for this beautiful mission you're on to helping heal hearts and to allow people to tell their truth and know that they're not alone. Thank you so much. Next week, I'll have Becky Wilkes. Her stunning photographs, recently highlighted in New Yorker magazine, chronicle the end of her parents' lives. When the COVID pandemic hit, she moved them both in with her and supported them through both of their lives to their deaths. It has been good grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. Abre mi corazón.